Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, This morning, we're going to be continuing on the series that we started last week. So last week, we started looking at the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet. He was active in about the 8th century BC. And Jonah is actually credited as writing the book of Jonah, which is actually pretty cool when you think about it, because Jonah is actually a warts and all kind of book. If I was writing my life story, I'm not sure that I would be putting some of the things that Jonah put into his story. And for me, that's amazing, but also it helps add to the authenticity of the book. It adds to the credibility of the book. For me, it's, it's great to know that the Bible is not just written by people who got it right all of the time. But I can actually draw off the stories of others and the wrestles that they had as they were going through as well. Not only does the candid nature of the book add to its authenticity, but Jesus actually affirmed the book of Jonah and the man himself. Jesus was uh, asked to perform signs and he said, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. It's like, what? The sign of Jonah? And the sign of Jonah was that whilst Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, the people at the other end repented. And what Jesus was saying is that when I die and I am buried for three days, will you repent? Are you going to be as devoted as the people of Nineveh were? You know what? Jonah is probably the most famous of the 12 minor prophets. Why? Sunday school. (laughs) Kids church. At least once a year, the story of Jonah got pulled out. And we were told about this amazing fish. But do you know that the story of Jonah actually isn't about a fish? God was not focused on the fish. Jonah was not focused on the fish. The story of Jonah is actually about the people of Nineveh and God's great love for everyone. God wanted the people of Nineveh to turn around, to repent, to come back to him. But Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were Jonah's enemies. And that's why the book of Jonah is all about the battle between Jonah's faith, what God asked him to do, and his feelings, what he would prefer to do. You see, the book of Jonah isn't about the fish. And in actual fact, the fish is mentioned three times. That's it. At the end of chapter 1, God provided it, and it swallowed him. At the start of chapter 2, he is in it. Well, where else would you be if you got swallowed? And the end of chapter 2, 
the fish vomited him out. They're the only three times that the fish is mentioned. And you know what? We actually don't know a lot about the fish. We're not meant to know a lot about the fish. If you have questions about the fish, that's cool. We'll happily ask them or answer them for you to the best of our ability. But Jonah isn't about the fish. Jonah is about the people. So can we get beyond our Sunday school focus today? And let's look at, not the fish, but let's bear in mind the people. Last week, Pastor Tony was talking about how Jonah was running away from God. God said to Jonah, hey, I want you to go. And Jonah said, no way. But it's actually worse than that. It's not like Jonah was just being obstinate. He didn't just dig his heels in and say, no. He was active in his disobedience. God said, go this way. And Jonah said, nope, I'm going this way. And so Pastor Tony spoke about how God provided three gifts to Jonah. He sent him a storm to get his attention. He sent a captain to give direction and he sent a whale for his protection. That message is available on our app. It's available off our website. I suggest that you grab it and have a listen to it. It really is gold. I don't know about you, but when I hear about those gifts that God provided, I don't want those gifts. You know what? Just like Jonah, I've run away from those gifts. Wouldn't it be cool if you could actually take that gift and either give it to someone else, you know, re-gift it? <laughs> hey, here's a storm for your life. Hey, great. I'm just going to re-gift that too. Wouldn't that be nice? Just like Jonah, I've been resistant to the gifts that God has provided, the grace that God has provided. Just like Jonah, I've tried to be self-reliant in storms. Just like Jonah, I have ignored captains who want the best for me. Like Jonah, I've resented God's intervention into my life. You know, back in about, not about, back in 2015, I'd been working for the church for about 10 years. I was in an admin finance operations role, quite happy in my role. Everything was good. We had a meeting with Pastor Scott Thornton. Now, Pastor Scott Thornton is one of our apostolic covering people for our church. Pastor Scott is someone who speaks directly into the life of us as leaders. And we were having a, a, a meeting time with him. It was just the staff. It was on a Saturday. I remember the day he was sharing and I'm right there with him. Yes and amen. And that sounds great, Scott. And yeah, we can implement that. And yeah, that, oh, Scott, thank you for your wisdom. And I remember him looking at his watch and going, okay, it's 10 minutes before I've got to go to catch my plane. So cool. Thank you so much, Scott. Great to have you again. High fives. And he looked around the table and he said, hey, have you considered Ashley in a pastoral care role in the church? That's my wife laughing on the front row. 
Have you considered Ashley in a pastoral care role in the church? I've got to tell you, there was a response inside of me. And it was very much Jonah's response. No! I don't want to do that. And what that triggered in me was a wrestle. A wrestle with God going, oh, I don't want to. I can do this and pastoral care. I know that people are wonderful, but God, sometimes people hurt and I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to do that. Over here, I can deal with computers and numbers and figures and building maintenance and what. I can do that, but God. Anyone been in that space? This week, we're going to look at how Jonah turns. Jonah stops running from God and he starts running to God. Inside the fish, as he is physically being taken, transported, from the opposite direction towards Nineveh. He has a heart transformation inside the fish. And no longer is he resisting God, but he's actually running towards him. So we're going to pick up the story in Jonah 2. You can uh, grab your Bible or you can follow it on the screen. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents, they swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. I don't know about you, but when I read that passage of Scripture, I want more information. We know that Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. That's what it says at the end of chapter one. And three days and three nights just got condensed down into a five-minute prayer. I want to know more information. I want to know the how. I want to know the why. I want to know the what. I want to know the when. I'm looking for more out of this story. And yet the Bible is silent about those things. You know, like me in 2015, I reckon Jonah had a wrestle with God. I reckon that he was inside that fish going, God, this sucks! I wish I wasn't here, but God, why, why, why? But none of that's recorded. What's recorded is the prayer. 
And the prayer shows that God had moved from, sorry, that Jonah had moved from running away from God towards running to God. And so let's have a look and see what we can pick up from this passage of scripture that we can apply to our lives that help us to stop running from and start running towards. The first thing that I see throughout this passage of scripture is that it all starts with communication. You know what? It is never too late to pray. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. It doesn't matter what location you find yourself in. It doesn't matter what circumstance you find yourself in. It is never too late to pray. It doesn't matter if you're there because it's your fault. It's never too late to pray. Because God is infinite in grace, infinite in love, infinite in mercy. And always wants the best for us. You see, in its simplest form, prayer is just talking with God. Just like we would catch up with a friend for coffee, we can catch up with God for coffee. The difference is, is that when you catch up with a friend, you might have a good time. You might be able to share a little bit of the burden. But when you catch up with God, you're catching up with the creator of the earth. You're catching up with the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, at every situation. You're catching up with one who's not only wanting to help, but is actually able to help at the same time. It's never too late to pray. You see, prayer connects us with God. You see, if it's just me, if I don't connect to God, this is as good as it gets. Whatever wisdom I've got, as good as it gets. Whatever knowledge I've got, as good as it gets. Whatever insight I've got, as good as it gets. But with God, we can tap into his wisdom. We can tap into his insight. We can tap into his knowledge. You see, connecting with God helps open my spiritual eyes. You see, we are so bombarded with the natural, right? You can't drive anywhere without seeing billboards or hear radio advertisements. We're bombarded by the natural. We all know the natural. We can all see the natural. But when I pray, God can open my spiritual eyes and give me greater revelation, greater insight into what I'm facing. Uh, in, in 2 Kings 6 we have the story of Elisha. Now, Elisha was another prophet. Elisha was uh, hearing from God and recommending to the king battle plans because there was a foreign army that was invading. And at one time, the foreign army had worked out where Elisha was and they'd laid siege to the whole city. And Elisha's servant comes up to him panicked they're everywhere. What do we do? How do we get our way out of this? And Elisha's response, calming his servant down, he said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed for his servant and his servant's eyes were open and he saw the army of God that was on the hills around the invading army. 
You see, we need to have our spiritual eyes open to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we do that by connecting with God through prayer. The third thing praying does is that it aligns our heart with God's heart. We get God's perspective on the situation. Do you know what? I just want to take you back to Jonah chapter 1. In the middle of this storm, It says that all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. In the middle of Jonah's storm, while he's still running away from God physically, he's also running away from God spiritually. God, I know you're there. I know you're everywhere. But right now, we're not talking. All the other sailors, they can pray to their gods, but I'm not going to pray to my God because I know what my God is going to say and I don't want to hear that answer. And so right now, I'm refusing to pray. I'm going to go down below and I'm going to sleep. And yet a few short verses later, a few days later, we have Jonah chapter 2, which is what? A prayer. Jonah goes from refusing to pray to praying. Why? Because in that fish, he had a heart alignment with God again. It's never too late to pray. Did you notice that Jonah's prayer actually comes in three sections? In the first section, Jonah describes his predicament very graphically. Jonah says that he was in distress, that he was deep in the world of the dead, that the currents were all around him, the breakers swept over him. He was engulfed, he was sinking, the seaweed was wrapped around his head. You may not identify with that physically, but you may identify that with emotionally because we all go through feelings where we're where we we just feel overwhelmed in the situations that we find ourselves in but then the second section Jonah goes from describing his situation but then in verse 6 he turns the prayer and he says but you Lord my God In the midst of all of this rubbish, God, but you stooped down. You saved me. You rescued me. You brought me up out of the deep. And he finishes up in verse 9. But I, but I, with shouts of praise, will sacrifice. That sacrifice, that talks about forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness from God will make good my vows, I will tell the good news of God. You know, that's a great pattern to follow when you're not sure what to pray. Describe your situation to God. Declare his goodness over the situation and declare your desire beyond that as well. Well, if if that's all true, you have to ask the question, well, how come we don't pray sooner? I don't know about you, but there's often lots of reasons why I don't pray sooner. Often it boils down to just a few at the root cause. 
For me, why don't I pray sooner? Shame. Imagine for Jonah, actively running away, but now having to come back to God almost sheepishly. You know what? I know, I know this is my decision. I, I, I stuffed this up. I'm, I'm embarrassed by my own actions. I'm embarrassed by my own thoughts. Sometimes we can allow that shame to stop us from going back to God. Sometimes it's fear. I know I've done the wrong thing. God must have that big stick out and I'm just waiting. And so if I avoid him a little bit longer, maybe I won't receive that punishment. Sometimes it's just pride. I got myself into this situation. I'm going to get myself out of this situation. And when I've got it sorted, then I'll go back to God and say, hey, we can all be good now because I'm no longer in that space. Do you know what? Every time I let shame or pride or fear stop me from praying, it robs me of the grace that God has for me. Every time I allow that to stop me praying, I actually miss the point of what prayer is meant to be. It's meant to be a relationship between me and God. Every time I let shame, fear or pride stop me from praying, what I'm really saying is that those things have more power in my life than the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came and he dealt with all of my issues. He dealt with my sin. He dealt with my fear and my shame and my pride. It's already been done. If only I would access that and bring it into my life. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. The sooner we invite God into the situation, the better it is for everyone who's involved. Do you know what? But I just don't see Jonah speaking with God. I actually see Jonah speaking with himself. There's a saying that speaking to yourself is the first sign of madness. I disagree. I think speaking to yourself can actually be the first sign of health. You know, the first person that we have to lead in any situation is always ourselves. And so speaking to ourselves can help lead ourselves. You know what? That prayer of Jonah's that we just read, I'm sure that that wasn't Jonah's first response. I'm sure that Jonah finding himself in the sea, drowning, Swallowed by a fish is revived. It's not like all of a sudden the world is rosy again. He's inside a fish along with everything else that the fish has eaten. Potentially along with the digestive juices sloshing around in the bottom of the fish. You know, fish don't smell that good on the outside, let alone on the inside. Who's ever had fish for dinner and you go, okay, I've fish for dinner, I know I need to clean up well, but then you forget to take the bin out afterwards. You clean all the dishes, you've got everything clean that side, but we forgot to take the bin out and the smell that pervades through the house after eating fish. 
You know, in that moment, Jonah could have said, hey, you know what, God, this sucks. It stinks. It's cramped. I hate it. But Jonah's got to lead himself through that. All of that may be true. What's the alternative? Death. You see, being in a bad situation and alive compared to being dead, you've got to count your blessings. You've got to find the space where you can talk to yourself. In Psalm 42.11, the psalmist says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. In 1 Samuel 36, it's a short little verse. It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Some translations say David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that look like? It looks like talking to yourself. It looks like declaring God's goodness into situations that perhaps don't look nice. Speak life into the situations. How do I know that Jonah did this? I don't know if you noticed it, but when the scripture was up on the screen, there's actually quotation marks throughout the entire prayer. There's at least seven references in Jonah's prayer that are mirrored in the Psalms. Jonah is actually praying the inspired word of God back to God himself. How do I know that Jonah was speaking to himself? Because he's bringing scripture into his context. Some people often ask me, how do I know if I'm praying the right thing? Well, if you're praying God's words back to God, there's a good chance that you're praying the right thing. Jonah was speaking to himself, declaring God's goodness over his situation. Again, it's never too late to pray. But do you know what? Communication just by itself, it actually isn't enough. We need to turn communication into motivation. And again, I know that Jonah did this. In Jonah 2 verse 9, it says, But I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Where was Jonah in this moment? He's still in the fish. And yet he's motivated. I will do these things. He's taken his download from God and he's gone, cool. I can take that communication. I've got to turn it into motivation now. Do you know that that transfer from communication to motivation isn't automatic? Do you know how I know that? I've got one word for you. Mathematics. Every single one of us has been forced to study mathematics at school. We have all had lots of mathematics communicated over us. I was a maths teacher for 11 years. I was on both sides of this coin. As a student, I've received communication. As a teacher, I've given communication. Does that communication automatically turn into motivation? Nope. As a teacher, I saw lots of demotivated students. 
It's not an automatic process. We need to deliberately decide, I'm going to turn this communication into motivation. Do you know what? Even for those students who turned communication into motivation, I saw two different ways of being motivated. Some students were motivated negatively. I have to take maths, I have to get a good grade. If I don't get a good grade, my parents are not going to be happy. Motivated by not wanting to be punished. And I saw some students, and I must admit, relatively few, who were actually positively motivated. They enjoyed the subject. They liked doing what they were doing. They saw the value in it. And so there was a positive form of motivation that comes. And you know what? That's actually common across all areas of life. Think about it at the moment. In your workplace, there would be some people who are motivated positively. Love their job, love being there, can't wait to get there. Positively motivated. There'll be some that are negatively motivated. My job description says I have to do this, and if I don't do it, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble, so therefore, I'll do that. It happens in obeying laws. Some people don't speed because they're worried about the fine. It's a negative motivation. For some people, they don't speed because they don't want to impact other people around them. It's a positive motivation. We need to be careful when it comes to communication from God. Because sometimes we can bring a communication from God and turn it into a negative motivation. And when we do that, we can actually skew what God is really saying. We can actually skew God's character. We need to make sure that we turn our communication that we receive into a positive motivation. For God so loved the world. So what's the motivation? Love. And if we can turn our communications from God into a motivation of love, we'll be on the right track. But do you know what? Motivation actually isn't enough either. We need to turn our motivation into activation. One of the biggest accusations against Christians is that we're all talk and no action. One of the biggest accusations against Christians is that we're hypocrites. We don't do what we say we're going to do. And whilst there's a truth to that, I don't think it's the whole truth. You see, I think that hypocrisy isn't a failing of our Christianity. Hypocrisy is a failing of our humanity. Every single person on this planet has promised something and not delivered. You see, being a hypocrite is something that, as humans, we just have to face all the time. In turning motivation into activation, do you know what? For me, the biggest killer of motivation is procrastination. I can't, you know, there have been numerous times where I hear a great message, 
where God is speaking, God is stirring. And I walk out of those auditorium doors and just don't think about it again. We'll never, it, we'll never find the transformation that we want for our lives if, if we're just sitting on a couch watching TV. Let's make sure that we don't allow inactivity to rob us. The other thing that can get to me personally is overthinking. I can hear a great message. It can motivate me. It can stir me. And all of a sudden, the questions start. Oh, but if I do that, how is that going to work out? What happens if? What if they don't respond in a good way? How, what, what happens where? And all of a sudden, because I can't answer all of those questions, I don't take a step. Once again, there's no activation, so there's no transformation that occurs. In James 1, verses 22 to 25... It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James says that we deceive ourselves when we listen, but don't act. And again, when we look at the story of Jonah, we know that he turned his motivation into activation because he went into the city of Nineveh. And we're going to talk more about that next week. In conclusion today, and as the rest of the band comes, do you know what? The biggest miracle from Jonah chapter 2 isn't the fish, although it is pretty cool. The biggest miracle for me is Jonah himself. Jonah turned 180 degrees, running from God to running to God in three days. I wish that I could say the same thing of my 2015, three days and I was on board. It just wasn't. Usually takes me a lot longer. And so the question today is, what is your Nineveh? What has God called you to that you've been avoiding? Is it dealing with unforgiveness, bitterness, gossip, immorality, anger? And I could go on. But the pattern that Jonah used is the same one that we can apply to our lives today. Communicate with God. Speak into your situation. Allow that communication to become motivation and allow that motivation to become activation in your life. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 